0: This is a disclaimer. First of all, this talk is for mature audiences. Also, this talk has a lot of topics which there are halachic implications for that we do not go into. Our focus is purely on the medical issues at hand. Please consult with your Rav, your local Orthodox rabbi, to discuss any related halachic issues with these topics. Welcome to the Jewish Orthodox Women's Medical Association, or JOMA, podcast. I'm your host, Elisa Minkin. I'm a general pediatrician and proud JOMA member. And today, I'm really, really honored and really excited to be here today for the third time with Dr. Alyssa Hellman, who's also a proud JOMA member. If you have any topics you want to hear If you want to speak yourself in a podcast, be interviewed, if you know someone you want to be interviewed, if you have comments on this podcast, please reach out to us at health at joma.org. I'm gonna add a brief trigger warning. I feel like I have to add that for so many of these talks because um, a lot of these are are sensitive issues and this is really more of an overview of um, the earlier part of pregnancy. We didn't get beyond the middle trimester. We're gonna have to do part four. Um, Trigger warning for people who are struggling with um, pregnancy loss, fertility issues, um, listener discretion is advised. Dr. Alyssa Hellman is an experienced, board-certified OBGYN. She has been in practice for over 10 years in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. She received her medical degree from NYU and completed a residency in obstetrics and gynecology at the North Shore Hospital in in Manhasset. She's also the physician at the Confident Kala, a telemedicine gynecology practice focused on the needs of Jewish women who observe Tarat to mishpacha. Throughout her years as a clinician, she noticed a gap in women's health awareness and education. This developed into a special interest in patient education and being a resource for the Jewish community in relation to body awareness and women's preventative health starting from a young age. Welcome back, Dr. Hellman. Thank you so much for joining me for the third time. Thanks for
1: having me. I feel like this is a uh, a regular thing now.
0: Well, you know, I, I keep telling you that your Confident Kala, the first talk that we did together was our number one talk. It's still a number awesome. one talk to this day. So, you know, you're definitely someone people want to hear. So it's a real honor for me to have you on for the third time. And I like how we're going sequentially, right? Our Confident Kala right has has gotten married we've talked about that and we've talked about like the wedding night and you know the initial relationships and now we need to start talking about the confident kala now wants to have a baby
1: sounds good that's exciting yes. and first i just want to say i don't think it's me that's so exciting with these podcasts i think this is everything we're talking about is just like normal life for people. And I think it's interesting. And that's, you know, that's what people want to hear. They just want to learn about what's normal and and what to expect in a very common female experience. So um, I'm always happy to talk about it.
0: No, you're fantastic because you're passionate about the same thing I'm passionate about, that we only have so much time in our day-to-day, you know, work lives as physicians. And it's so empowering to give this information over in this kind of setting where we, we have more time to really go into things.
1: For sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's start with, say, the Kala has been on birth control um, for some period of time, which is not always happening, um, right. but sometimes, I don't know if you want to address if they're not as well. I'm throwing a double question yeah. at in terms of what to expect um, if you're not, in terms of, of when you would expect to be pregnant, and what to expect if you are stopping a form of birth control.
1: Yeah. Okay. So let's kind of like pick one and and go from there. So let's say you, you know, you got married, you had the plan. I want to be on birth control for like three to six months. Um, and then I feel like after we adjusted to being together and living together and starting a new home, I want to get off of that birth control and, um, you know, try to have a baby and get pregnant. Um, so, right. That's the number one is your birth control is preventing you from being fertile. So if you want to get fertile again, you have to get off of your birth control. Now, um, some people wonder, well, do I have to get off of it for a while before I can get pregnant or like when, you know, the whole time frame of it. And, you know, I think when we understand how birth control works, we understand the time frame of needing to be off of it to to like have your own fertility back and that usually is very soon after you stop it. So why is it important to take your pill every day if you're on a pill because it needs to be taken every day to work. So when you stop taking it and you get that last period, you know, of that last placebo week or withdrawal bleed that you get, and you don't restart, you're gonna start an ovulatory cycle again that was being blocked by being on a birth control pill that's preventing ovulation. So within even two weeks of getting off your pill, you could be fertile, you could, be, you could get pregnant. Um, something like getting an IUD out um, that potentially could take just as short to get your fertility back, maybe sometimes like a month or two longer, um, but it can happen right away. So sometimes I'll say, you know what, Don't get off of anything until you'd be ready to get pregnant because it can happen really soon. Um, But if you want to understand your cycles a little bit more, some people will get off of the birth control, wait a few months using different types of contraception like a spermicide where they're using it just when they know they're fertile. And that gives you time to kind of learn your cycles a little bit to understand like when you would be ovulating. So that's something that that's like a personal choice of just, you know, how kind of protected you want to be. Um, but so that, that's kind of what I'd recommend for someone on birth control. You got to get off of it. That's step number one. Um, if you haven't been on birth control and if you are, um, either or using more of a episodic contraceptive, like a spermicide, you just stop using it. Um, you know, and, um, and I
0: think that's a little bit,
1: <laughs> there's nothing to do with straightforward you right. right. If you haven't been on anything, exactly.
0: Right. But going back yeah. to the hormonal types of birth control, you said you can get pregnant right away, but is that typical? Um, yeah,
1: I mean, it, it really depends on like timing and, and when you're having sex and when um, you know, if you know you're ovulating and and just kind of being aware. And I think that's super important is cycle awareness. Um, you know, I talk a lot about like being aware, like knowing your cycles so that you know when you're ovulating, so that you know when your best chance of conceiving is. Um, and you know, if you've been on a pill for a long time, you may not know that um, because you're not ovulating. That's the mm. point of it. Um but so, so it it may take a couple of months to kind of learn it. Um, it happens to be that if you practice tahar and you go to the mikvah, mikvah generally ends up matching pretty closely with a regular menstrual cycles timeframe of ovulation. Typically, so typically, though. typically, right. Mm. So, and remember, it's typical because many people do fit into the typical, you know, realm here. And I think um, just as a very like broad kind of thought over this whole discussion is I think lately, which is a good thing, we've been talking a lot about infertility and difficulty getting pregnant and the struggles that people go through. But we also have to remember that most women and most couples can get pregnant without help, without tons of time. Um, So it is, that is- standard so that's we can't we can't forget that so yes you could get pregnant very quickly you could get pregnant if you're not on birth control you can get pregnant you know on your wedding night if the timing works out or within a month of getting married and having unprotected sex that is possible and we can't forget that you know in the context of lots of other discussion important discussions going on in our community of difficulties right um right
0: right we shouldn't be so focused on the abnormal that we forget that normal means most people are normal. Right, right.
1: So the, I think the 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 main question to answer to yourself is, would I be okay if I got pregnant this month? And if the answer is consistently no, then you got to be on something or prevent pregnancy in some way. And if you're like, yeah, I'm totally cool with that, then you don't have to be on anything. And I think that's, that's um, you know, th- you don't have to be on birth control. You don't have to get off of your birth control. It all depends on what the answer you guys have as a couple to that question.
0: Okay. But I'm starting, I'm framing it with the answer is I want to be pregnant right now. Right. And I want to know what's normal and what's not. Right. So, I mean, statistic
1: wise, look, there's, if, if two fertile people, right. Cause the man also has to have everything working for him, um, are having sex at ovulation, where you would think 100% of the time, hey, like the timing worked out, the physiology is working out, there's actually only a 20% chance you're gonna get pregnant, um, even if everything is totally normal. So the way human reproduction works is it's not 100% perfect every single time, right? Life is not always exactly 100% how we assume it's gonna be. Um, But yeah, there's really only about a 20% chance you're gonna get pregnant, even when everything is fine that month. So that sounds kind of dismal, but then if we look at a couple having unprotected sex over the course of a year, over 90% are going to get pregnant. And about 75% of those is within the first six months of unprotected sex. So those numbers are very, you know, much more encouraging Mm -hmm. than you only from a month to month basis, only have a 20% chance of getting pregnant. Um, So, you know, I, I wouldn't, let the numbers like bring you down because there are some numbers of looking at it in a different way that's really very reassuring and positive. Um so yeah, that's what I'd say to reassure people.
0: Right. Does it matter what age you are?
1: Um, it does. Um, you know, age definitely matters. Um sometimes it, as fertility does slowly start to decline, I'd say in like the mid to late 30s, and then even more so in the 40s. And so it's not. It may take longer to get pregnant, but we also, time is more of the essence. So mm-hmm. if you do need help, we don't wanna waste your time by saying, hey, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. And like three years go by and those three years matters. I mean, 32 to 35, that's a different story. 35 to 38 years old, that's a different story when it comes to success rates of potential infertility help. So that's why we actually, even though it may take longer to get pregnant because fertility starts to slowly decline, we actually want to get on at least the workup or potential diagnosis or potential treatment sooner because your success rate of a term healthy pregnancy is going to be higher if we get on it earlier and don't like waste time. If you're 21 years old, we could say, I think we can wait the full year of you trying and then wonder like, Hey, it should have happened. Why isn't it? Um, so, You know, and of course, if you're coming in with any medical concern that may affect fertility or any cycle irregularity that you already know about, like if you know you get two to three periods a year, that's not normal. So I wouldn't say to you try for a year. Because what So I'm saying try only three ovulatory cycles. You don't even know when that those are going to be, right? So if you already know of something, for sure, we're not going to say, oh, just keep trying. We're going to say, like, you have an, a concern, you have an issue we already kind of know about. Let's maybe be a little more scientific about it, do more testing um, and potentially talk about treatments so that you don't come to me a year later and feel like you wasted your year um, and then kind of go more, you know, look further when we already had a heads up that there was an issue. Um, And again, this is all your choice of what you want to do. None of this is we have to. It all depends on your desire and timeframe of conceiving.
0: Right. I like the way you frame that. But I will say you made a very important point that even if you are young, if you have a medical condition and you're planning on becoming pregnant, it's it can be really helpful to figure out you know, how best that can be managed knowing I want to be pregnant. Does that make sense?
1: For sure. And, um, you know, with some conditions like uh, like a type one diabetic, you know, which are obviously diagnosed like on the younger side, right? Like in childhood usually. usually. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that like you got to make sure your sugar is well controlled before you start, you know, to have a healthy pregnancy. So situations like that is you actually want to optimize your medical concerns first, which actually may help your chances of a getting pregnant, b having a healthy pregnancy um, and, and kind of you know, have like a preconception consultation with either your OBGYN mm-hmm. and or your medical team, endocrinology or internist or or whatever, rheumatology, whatever your condition kind of requires. That's that's like number one, super important if you do have any, anything underlying.
0: That is excellent. That is so important. And I'm I'm glad you brought that up. So say for someone who's older, you gave about a year for someone without underlying medical conditions who's on the younger side. I don't know where you cut cut off. Is for that age about okay. I mean, 30. 30. Yeah, okay, fine. so say Under you're 30. older than 30, how long would you wait? About six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even um, shorter if you're over, say, 35, closer to 40. You know,
1: I, I think part of this discussion is also not making people crazy and right. not like making people feel like they're medicalized from the beginning, right? Um, you know, pregnancy, spontaneous pregnancies definitely happen in your late thirties. I mean, that is not an unusual thing. I'm just kind of saying statistically it is harder, like over the female population in the world, it is harder to get pregnant or have a successful, healthy pregnancy as one gets older. It is, that does not mean it's impossible. That does not mean you're going to need help. So I think it's always, if there's no major underlying issues, it's always worth it to say, Hey, like try for six months, see how you do. If you're 45, I'd say it may be worth it to have a consultation, right? right? Because then we're kind of approaching the end of like a female reproductive life cycle, right? Um, you without know, assistance, without assistance, with, without assistance, right? And so it may be, you know, t- every month, like kind of matters when it comes to work up and treatment and, and success rates and things like that. So, you know, I'd say if you are looking to get pregnant in your 40s, um, I I probably, even if you feel like nothing's really wrong, I would probably hook up with for sure your gynecologist and maybe even a reproductive endocrinologist who at least will be like hooked up with. You can get in quickly if like you say, I'm going to try for a few months, or you just want to say like, Hey, I, I, I need to talk this out because I need to understand like what I'm in for if pregnancy doesn't happen easily within the next few months. Right.
0: It's being more proactive. Yeah. It's smart. You exactly. Don't have to be yeah. Fear mongering, but you can be proactive. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. And there's no rule. There's no
1: like absolute rules here. Like I'm just giving age cutoffs because I'm just thinking about it in like kind of decades and statistically where we start to see fertility start to decline. But again, like that may not be you. And like, you don't feel like you have, just because you've had a birthday last week that now you're in a different, you know, age group that you need that, like, oh, woe is me. This is never going to happen.
0: Right. You're not a statistic. You're not a statistic. Correct. Correct. I love that. I love that approach. I also want to give a a shout out for mental health considered just like physical health in terms of um, pregnancy. Um, I have done a talk with Tal Weinberger. We didn't talk in great depth about reproductive psychiatry but there is such a thing as a reproductive psychiatrist which is what she is Mm -hmm. um and you can work with one if you are struggling with significant mental health issues before you try to be pregnant
1: for sure and that is um sadly there are not enough it is I would say an emerging field um and um it's you know, I think it came about because traditionally, and, and this is, could be a whole huge other discussion, but it, it really came about the, the field, or I say the niche in the field really came about by, you know, maybe traditional psychiatrists or general psychiatrists and general OBGYNs just not having a comfort level for managing um, mental health medications that really keep people stable and the fear of, don't take anything or don't be on anything when you're pregnant because all we care about is this baby developing and we have seen like really kind of negative outcomes when we take mom's mental health away or the things she needs to to have that and we actually see negative physical outcomes in, preg- in pregnancy both mom and baby and child um, you know as development continues outside of the uterus um, and since we've kind of seen that. So that's where this field really developed of reproductive psychiatry that was like, no, I think we can think about this a little bit better. I think Mm -hmm. we can look at the effects of these medications that we're so scared of in pregnancy, and maybe we don't have to be so scared of them. And so yes, optimizing your mental health preconception again, super important. And if you feel like your psychiatrist isn't technically a reproductive psychiatrist, but has the, you don't get a feel of they're scared of you because you're thinking of becoming pregnant or they're scared of medications like if you are automatically taken off of your meds just because you're trying to conceive or just because you're pregnant find someone new to talk exactly. to exactly. um because that that's not the a good approach anymore um or ever was but it's definitely it's things are changing Med- changes in medicine are slow um and i think that um but it's still really important mental health for sure important throughout pregnancy pregnant women are at a higher risk of suicide depressive episodes, um, you know, really bad negative outcomes that you think will never happen to you but they, they really can if your mental health is not where it should be during the pregnancy
0: right and I'm going to flip it back that proper medical management gives you fantastic outcomes. Right. For sure. I want, to, I want yeah. to phrase it in a positive way because there's such fear of these medications. It's a risk benefit.
1: A hundred percent.
0: Yeah. And the risks
1: are usually of the medications a lot lower than the not the knocking on them.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. That's so true. And I'm glad we talked about that. Okay. I'm going to switch over to another common issue, which is early pregnancy loss. I know it's hard to talk about, but I think it's really important to talk about. For sure so I'm going to let you talk about that. <laughs> yeah. So, so very, I'll start very awkward with... segue, but there we right.
1: go. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, nothing's awkward with me. Um, so I will, um, I'll start with the statistic, which, you know, we just got, we just finished saying that you aren't a statistic, but, um, you know, about 50% of pregnancies end in miscarriage, and that is a huge number. And, you know, that doesn't mean 50 of the pregnancies that you are going to have will end in miscarriage. That means overall, we may not know if you're even, you know, having a miscarriage because like it was so, so early and you, it seemed to you like a late period, Um, you know, early on, or you may have gotten a positive pregnancy test and you know about it. And a week later you started your period and yes, that is a miscarriage. So any pregnancy loss, I consider a miscarriage if we're going to categorize it. you know, so many, just like when it comes to getting pregnant, so many amazing, incredible, miraculous things have to happen perfectly. And one of those things is a perfect egg and a perfect sperm getting together, coming together, growing, developing, implanting in the uterus and sticking. And then, you know, for the next 40 weeks or 38 weeks, whatever, getting, you know, growing that that's a lot of stuff we're asking for the body to do. And it doesn't always happen perfectly. Um, you know, genetic abnormalities not inherited, but having to do with the genes, the chromosomes within the egg and the sperm that are forming this embryo, um, also need to be kind of balanced and, um, you know, I guess balanced is really the word I'm looking for. Um, at to to make a embryo that is going to get through developmental stages and form a human. Um and that doesn't always happen. And that's really the main reason why we will see a miscarriage happen. Um, even if we don't have a diagnosis, we say, well, it probably. Was some type of chromosomal abnormality that couldn't make it through a certain developmental stage and ended up in an early miscarriage. If someone having multiple miscarriages, so that's when we say, hey, this is a diagnosis of recurrent pregnancy loss. We need to look into not just genetic reasons, but is there a medical or anatomic reason, both with mom or the couple together or like the uterus or something going on that Hey, three in a row, that's not so typical. So now let's look into it. But one miscarriage as hard as it is, is actually not so abnormal. And so, you know, I've, I've, I've had patients who like, they're very, you know, they're young, they're healthy, everything should be working perfectly. And their first pregnancy is a miscarriage and it's, devastating. Like what I did everything right. Like, what did I do wrong? You know, and and there's so much blame Mm -hmm. because, you know, there is this narrative of be healthy, be healthy. And like, you know, check your cycles and be aware. And you did all the right things. You took your vitamins and then you end up having a miscarriage and it can be really devastating. People have a lot of guilt. Um, I'll tell you, there's pretty much nothing you can do. That is what causes the miscarriage outside of being really unhealthy and like, you know, doing drugs and having a really, really, uh, you know, unhealthy um, lifestyle. Exactly. Um, As a pediatrician, balance. I can
0: tell you that I've seen plenty of people do the worst things. Right. And, and still end up with term. babies. No. Exactly. Right. It's right. It's almost never something you did. Almost right. Never. Exactly.
1: So it's, it's really hard. I mean, there's so much guilt and so much blame on yourself of like, what did I do? What well, could I have done better? Did I exercise too hard one day or did I have sex? And then I started bleeding and that's the cause of the miscarriage. And the answer is always, always, always no. Um, it, It it really is something that has to do with like that egg, that sperm, that embryo, how it, you know, how it's developed or didn't develop. And, and, and it's normal. Like it's, it's, I should say it's common. It's common. Um, and you know, it's hard to deal with, but definitely don't beat yourself up. That's really like
0: the main message that I would say. Right. I know you don't like my doing this, but I'm going to push you again on this. The rate of miscarriage varies with age. It does, right? So we definitely see an increase, of
1: mis- increase in miscarriage that goes up with age, and we'll see that in like the mid to late thirties and forties, right? Why is that? That's because your the egg um, or the splitting of the genetic material to form an egg that has half of our chromosomes, so that it can join with the sperm's half and make a whole, you know, genome for another person. Um, doesn't always happen as efficiently or as effectively as someone gets older. Like the processes that that goes through, it gets almost like a little lazy kind of. Um, and so that's where we will end up seeing more genetic abnormalities in embryos conceived when someone is older. And that's kind of like a, a, a you know linear curve there. Um, and, and that's why, because most miscarriages really do come really do stem from the reason of just this embryo itself is genetically abnormal and and cannot get through development past a certain stage.
0: Right, that's a really good explanation. But that's another reason for somebody who is an older person trying to get pregnant to be more aggressive about seeking help.
1: Right. right. And that, I mean, that um, to kind of bypass stuff like that, I mean, we're talking very more intensive treatments like IVF and, right. and pre-implantation genetic diagnosis so that we know that we're putting normal embryos in. And that's super intense. I mean, that's like, I don't think even, <laughs> even like what we're talking about here, but, no. but that is kind of how we help getting around at least the genetic abnormality part of it. Um, and some people when they're very young and they know they have a genetic condition. That they both of the partners carry right. to have affected kids. Like they'll they'll use that technology even with their young and they shouldn't have right. a problem getting pregnant. Right. So it that modality can definitely be used in different scenarios, but um that's how it helps chances of a successful pregnancy. You know, later on as someone's right, older.
0: Right. And I'm going to say that we are really talking pretty generally about a lot of these topics. We're not mm-hmm. diving deep into that for sure, right. into, you know, infertility and recurrent miscarriages. Um, I think I have to do another talk separately on pregnancy loss. I think that's a whole separate. Episode that I haven't done yet. For sure. Yeah. But I will say that I've done um we have an episode with Richard grazzi fertility specialist. We mm-hmm. have another one with um Dr. Amy Barron of I Was Supposed to Have the Baby. Fabulous, um, yes. That was really that was really yeah. good to listen to. I did interview um some amazing women from a time. Mm-hmm. So we have definitely delved into um dealing with infertility as a yeah. separate topic. So we're not, we're not gonna go there. We're gonna move on to diet and pregnancy because I bet you get more questions asked about that than. Most other things.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So okay, you're pregnant. Congratulations. Everything's going well. You're throwing up every morning. All good. Right? So yes. <laughs> um, so diet and pregnancy, and I'm going to use the word, we'll go over the two kind of ways people view the word diet, right? So diet could mean just means like how you're eating. What does your food consist of during your day? Um, and the really the goal for a your diet in pregnancy is to eat a balanced diet so that you're getting all of your vitamins and nutrients. You're getting your proteins, you're getting your carbs, you're getting your fats, you're getting all the minerals and vitamins that your your body needs and what your baby needs. So actually all the prenatal, everyone thinks the prenatal vitamins are for the baby. They are for you. Your baby is literally a parasite. Okay. Zapping from you, whatever it needs. So it will take if it sees it, it'll take it and use it in the way it needs to. And then you yourself may need a little extra supplementation. And that's why you're taking your prenatal vitamins. Um So if you eat a very this may not be popular, and maybe I shouldn't even say this publicly on a podcast, but if you are eating a very well-balanced, healthy diet during pregnancy, you may not even really need to take your vitamin every day because if you are eating healthy, and you're eating colorful foods, colorful is a sign of like all those good antioxidants and vitamins, right? Um, And balance, then you're getting what you need and you're just going to be peeing out the extra vitamins. Where it's important is preconception as you're trying to get pregnant, the most important vitamin... I guess, yeah, vitamin is folic acid, at least 400 micrograms that helps prevent neural tube defects. Neural tube defects, which is like spina bifida or anencephaly where the basically the spinal cord, anywhere along the spinal cord stays open and doesn't close. Um, that um, usually forms around 26 to 28 days, I think, maybe I'm wrong, of gestation, and, but may, you may not even know you're pregnant then. So taking those prenatal vitamins for the baby, for the folic acid, once you find out you're pregnant, which may be a week later or even a couple weeks later, your folic acid is not helping you. Oh, I just oh, want I to just say so- for
0: one second before yeah. I forget that that was a really good point. We should have put that in the preconception part, yes. right? Yes, is that to make sure that you have been taking folic acid right. for a couple months. That's a really important. Yeah. I
1: mean, I think, it. you know, I think when you get off your pill, you can start taking it. They're actually, I don't even think it's on the market anymore, but there, maybe it just wasn't as popular. But there is, was a birth control called Bayaz that had folic acid in it in case you got pregnant or in case you like forgot to start taking your folic acid because you think you just need to do it once you're pregnant. And I'm like, that was the most fabulous idea. Brilliant. And I have not like seen it. Brilliant. Yes. Like
0: iron, like salt with the iodine or like bread, right. With, uh, iron. yeah, like it was already,
1: like, you're obviously on birth control for a reason, but then when you get off of it, it's probably for an, a reason. Right. And great. You've had your folic acid in you in, in, at least the U.S. I mean, so much of our food is fortified mm-hmm. with um, cereals. That's actually, I think, one of the reasons they started fortifying like kids' cereals, because there's a, a you know much higher chance of having spina bifida if you are 16 and pregnant than if you're you know 25 and pregnant. Um, So we'll. um, that's a good reason to fortify our cereals, kids' cereals our, you know, and our foods with um, a little bit of folic acid. It's not the same amount that you would need that, that has been shown to prevent the neural tube defects, but um, it just still adds a little bit more. And especially if you're eating a balanced diet, like you should be getting your amount that you need. Um,
0: so- okay, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you again yeah. because I want the, yeah. I want this thought to be lost. So a lot of people today are dieting. They may be dieting, especially before they have a baby, because they're like, I want to get rid of this weight before. Mm -hmm. I'm not commenting on that here. This is not about weight. It really isn't. Although you might think I'd want it to be (laughs) (laughs) talking about it a lot. (laughs) But, 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 But that might be a person who should take folic acid supplements and not count on it being in their diet because they they may not be having enough in their diet.
1: Right, for sure. And that kind of gets to what I kind of started by saying is this the second word of diet. Like when you hear the right. word diet, I think we're all triggered to think, oh, diet means restriction in some way, right? I put myself on a diet. Um and look, there's we could go either way with this. Number one, I will say across the board, I really don't condone restrictive behaviors in pregnancy when it comes to like calorie intake or, you know, intensive exercise, Um, exercise is great in pregnancy. Normal, regular exercise is, makes a very healthy pregnancy and is recommended, but you know, more of like the, I'd say binging type of exercise or constantly all day, um, or the severe calorie restriction where you are trying to lose weight. You, your body is doing so much and you may not feel it, but it is, it is literally growing a human. Um, You need double the blood that you had. You, you need all of the energy it takes to do what that baby is doing. You need those fluids to make the amniotic fluid. So much is happening. You are a factory making something. And when we're, we need to put energy into that process, right? And eating is the way to do it. So we don't want to say, oh, well, I'm eating this amount of calories before pregnancy, but I know I'm just going to gain weight just from being pregnant. So I have to counteract that by restricting. No, like you need those calories. So technically when you're pregnant, you need an extra 300 calories a day over your regular caloric needs. When you're nursing, you actually need 500 extra calories a day because um, you're feeding this baby that's bigger, right? Um, and so that's really important to understand that like your your body is doing stuff and it it needs those those that energy from those extra calories. Does that mean that you can then go say, oh, I'm going to just go eat the whole box of Oreos, no, it doesn't. Like when we talk about extra calories, that doesn't mean that I can now, oh, and also, hey, my belly is getting bigger. I'm wearing maternity anyway. So what if like, if if I'm gaining weight for those reasons, right? I think we have to think about, we still want to keep our body healthy, but that doesn't mean severe calorie restriction. And that doesn't mean that I can't eat any junk food. It means that I can still like, eat to make myself feel good, eat to keep myself energized, eat to feed my baby and help my baby grow. But I'm not going to go overboard because I still want to have like a healthy, balanced, nutritional status. It's a, it's a very, I think, hard nuanced thing to talk about without making anyone feel bad, Mm -hmm. without being untruthful. Um, you know, because I think, you know, weight and pregnancy is, is a huge topic. Um, you know, and we're talking about the preconception stage, if you are very overweight, is it a good idea to healthfully? And I know that's like a loaded word, but like lose weight to get to a more ideal weight in planning, your getting pregnant. It
0: may be, you know, like, Right, it, I would it, recommend. As I'm going to have to interject for just a second. Sorry, yeah. I would recommend that you do that not on your own. I think a lot of people think they can do it on their own, mm-hmm. and I would recommend doing it with a really good registered dietitian. I'm a huge fan of RDs.
1: A hundred percent, and I think that also kind of keeps the focus because where you know, obviously, you're looking for information, right? To like, how do I lose this faster, or how do I lose it better, how do I lose more? And we're looking all over. And I think I would agree. I think a nutritionist, dietitian, like people who are trained in this and understand caloric, you know, values and needs much better on a scientific kind of level can definitely help you stay focused also so that you don't go down this rabbit hole of like, I want to look like her and that's my main goal, you know, or I need to fit into this. I need to have these cute maternity pictures. So I have to like look perfect and, you know, and, and um yeah, I think it's, it's really hard, but again, not to, obsess over it too. Right. 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 So it's a risk um, benefit again. It's a risk right, benefit. Right. And look, your body's doing a lot in your body. I mean, yes, you're are going to have maybe more fluffiness. We say is a euphemistic way of saying, <laughs> just like feeling a little bit more chubby in pregnancy, but remember so much of it is water weight and extra blood. A placenta is growing. Right. You're literally growing a new organ, not even like with your baby, the amniotic fluid, your uterus itself, which was like, grapefruit size is now watermelon size. I mean, that is pounds. So when you get on the scale, you know, so you can't beat yourself up. Oh my God, I gained 30 pounds this pregnancy and I still have 10 weeks to go. Yeah. That's called Turn
0: social media. You know how bad social media oh, is now? So bad. I used to say nine months out, you know, into pregnant yeah. nine months off. And it was like so much more relaxed. And now there's this right. whole perfect little belly. Right. You know? Well, I'm I have to like say when I wasn't pregnant. <laughs>
1: I love. I mean, there's been a few accounts that I follow lately that like all of a sudden announced that they had a baby. And I'm like, oh, I love that. Like, I did not even know you we were pregnant. You know, and that to me is the best. Like. There's the pressure, the the watching someone and wishing you were like them and all that during a pregnancy. I always love it when people just announce their baby without announcing their pregnancy, or you know, or you know, announcing it towards the end so that you're not constantly following them minute by minute, like what do you look like today, what are you wearing today, you know. Um, so I think yeah, it's it's hard. You gotta get yourself out of that exposure.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Right. That that's, that's just, you know, how you look. That's just image. Right. That's not health. Right. That's really, different. yeah. I think that's really important. We need to talk about the opposite, right? Cause it's not uncommon when you're pregnant to have trouble eating or, mm-hmm. you know, repeated vomiting, like hyperemesis. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, I'll kind of, I guess I'll start this topic by saying, you know, A lot of people in the first trimester or second or any any point in the pregnancy will say like, "Is my weight gain okay?" Like, "Oh my gosh, I gained five pounds this time," or "I lost two pounds," you know, between visits. Like, "Is everything okay? Is my baby okay?" And I think we have to. And what I always say is, "I don't care what happens from visit to visit." What I'm when you ask me that question or before I walk into a room and I'm looking at the chart, I'm saying overall what has happened. So when you're 12 weeks and this is your second visit, maybe, right? And you lost two pounds, not the end of the world. If you lost 10 pounds, there's something going on probably that we should investigate and, and look at. If you gain eight pounds, you know, in a two in a two-week time frame. Okay, that's like a, a little bit, but what were your last that what were your last few visits? Did you gain nothing? And now I'm seeing it on the scale. Okay. Overall, right. if you're kind of, you know everyone gains their weight differently, everyone, even the same person with different pregnancies. You may gain consistently throughout the pregnancy. You may gain nothing or lose in the first trimester and make it up in the second or third. You may gain most of your weight in the third trimester. Right? So. That's why having more of like a um, like take a step back and have more of a global view of what's been going on with the weight gain throughout the pregnancy, I think is much more or much less worrisome when we're looking at it on such a little microcosm of like a week to week basis and obsessing over the number, right? Um, it's more of like generally what's happening. Um, and I think that's can be very reassuring for people like, oh, you've only gained 16 pounds the whole pregnancy and you still have hit, you know, that's you're halfway done, great oh, okay. You know, and that makes people like realize that, that it's everything's still fine. Mm -hmm. Um, Hyperemesis is definitely, I mean, that's like a actual diagnosis. You're constantly throwing up. You can't keep anything in. So you can't keep your nutrients in. And there's definitely like varying degrees Mm -hmm. of, of that. So you could be like, oh my gosh, every morning I'm so sick and I throw up, but then the rest of my day I can keep my food down or I can keep my liquids down. Um, or you could be throwing up five times a day and just throwing up a little bit of bile, but you're actually keeping your food down and I'm seeing slow weight gain. Great. Um, do you feel good? No, you don't feel good. Is anti-nausea medications or different techniques something that we definitely need to talk about? hundred um, percent. You know, if you're literally unable to eat, drink, um, you know, and you feel it, right? Like you can't function in your day because you're so weak and you're lightheaded. You're not getting your calories and you're not getting your electrolytes in. Like this needs medical attention, right? Um, you know, we get to the point sometimes where we need to admit you for IV fluids for not just one one time. Here's a few hours of fluids, but like a hospital admission to kind of build you back up again. And then try to come up with more of a long-term plan. You know, most of the time this gets better after the first trimester, but a lot of times it doesn't. And you still feel kind of icky and and just like you can't eat enough as the pregnancy continues. That needs to be managed medically. Um, You know, the goal is saying like, Let's make sure your baby's growing well. We do fundal measurements, measuring the uterus on the outside. We can do ultrasounds to measure the the estimated fetal weight um, and kind of make sure that this baby is growing. If baby's growing, that's still overall reassuring. Now we're treating you like you feel awful. So that's okay. Like, yes, there's baby and there's you and we need to make sure both are okay. Okay. but it's a it's a hard one and it's awful because normal oftentimes like it's not your first kid you have little kids at home you have a job you have responsibilities and it's really difficult and it's it's I know people don't want to hear like oh hey just deal with it yeah no. it's, it's awful it's right, awful because it recurs it
0: tends to be a recurrent problem right,
1: right. It's awful I'd, right I'd say but in, in a in a discussion related to weight and hyperemesis it is a very temporary problem, right. right? I mean, it's usually a beginning of pregnancy or the pregnancy issue, and it shouldn't affect your weight overall. Um, and if you do start feeling better, you usually do catch up with the, the typical weight gain in pregnancy. So um, it is horribly uncomfortable and it is a serious condition to deal with. But when it, we're talking about the weight gain part of it, it's almost like the, I, I care more about how you're feeling and how you're able to function rather than what's the number on the scale right now. The number on the scale is telling me that there's something going on, right? Because I keep seeing the weight loss. It's not the weight loss itself that I'm like really worried about. It's why are you losing the weight,
0: you know? Right, right. And to underscore, you're yeah. really not worried about the baby as long as all the measurements are fine. It's more likely right. the baby who is a parasite will be okay. right. And, and we do
1: love our fetuses and our babies, but parasite is still a very good term
0: for it. Right. I mean, just in terms yeah. of that, I could imagine the person, saying, oh my gosh, I'm not doing the right thing. There's these ideals of these meals. I'm reading what to expect when you're expecting and I'm not eating the right, right foods, which we haven't even really gotten to like the foods you're supposed to eat, the foods you're not supposed to eat. I don't even know if you want to to breathe. Yeah, right. I can do that. I can do Talk that. Talk really about briefly. that in like in a nutshell. Right. But I mean, yeah. like the point that I'm making is we can at least take that worry away, you know, as long as you're being monitored and everything is yeah. Okay, the baby will get what they need. It's really quite right. quite surprising. Right. And wait, before I, I want to forget, I don't want to forget one more thing I meant to say before. And again, I think hyperemesis um, is a separate topic. We we can't yeah. do justice to it here. And right. I'm, I'm menti- making a mental note to do that. I've been meaning to do that. It's 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 an important topic. Um, yeah, for sure and maybe diet and pregnancy as a separate one too. I don't know. Um, but, but I have a lot of thoughts. here. Don't, one podcast does not fix all. <laughs> no, this is meant to yeah. be general. And right. then we can have spin-offs of topics right. that really need a deeper dive. Cause not everybody, like you said, for most people, normal is what they experience. Thank God. That's what normal right. means. We right. don't have to do problem, problem, problem. We can do for most you know, people, what you're going to experience and then mention what's not. And we can, you know, look into those in yeah. separate. But I want to mention also, um, especially with the increased use of the uh, weight loss drugs, the Zempic, for example, Wegovy, mm-hmm. all of those and weight loss surgery. Again, that is really something beyond the scope of this particular talk but i think i'd like you to just address it very briefly
1: okay um for me it's a big no all those drugs in pregnancy really um not and not for pregnancy um so not something we want you on if you are on them the recommendation from the drug company is actually to be off of them 2 months before conception because it can stay in you for um that length of time um there are there is some evidence of um negative fetal effects in animal studies um you know when pregnant while on these medications so um you should so that that my recommendation would be when you are on these and you are sexually active be on contraception like actively prevent pregnancy while you are on these um, so i'll give a big no to those drugs in pregnancy for sure um as far as um, bariatric surgery um You know, I've had many patients who have that in their history, they've had that done, and now they're pregnant. And, um, you know, I think there's always a little bit of like nervousness of like, wait, I did all of this, probably one of the most intense things to lose weight, and now I'm going through a period of my time when I'm going to be gaining weight. And so there's, I think, a a big psychological component of like them going through this planned weight gain process, um, obviously for good reasons. Um, And there are some um, vitamin and nutritional um, considerations that we have. um, And I think it's probably too detailed for this, Um, but pregnancy after bariatric surgery is definitely possible. um, And you can have a healthy pregnancy. Um, As far as so, so that's what I want to say about that very briefly, as far as,
0: wait, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you know, that I know there's bad. always more, there's always more, sure. there's more, wait, but still. <laughs> um, so one, one issue that does come up is greater weight loss, especially early in pregnancy with people who've had bariatric surgery, or maybe even throughout the pregnancy. And I'm going to put a plug for work with whatever team you can put together. If you've had this kind of surgery, if you need it, not everybody's the same, but, um, but there is that risk of the mother getting sucked up right her nutrients like you mentioned very briefly about getting right. extra n- nutrients and even the baby potentially being small again not trying to scare anybody here right. but get build your team it is definitely possible it is For definitely sure. doable but build your team right okay
1: um, I could say more about it, but I'm we I know we have a lot to talk it's, about. I'm gonna it's move too on. Much, yeah. Yeah. Um I did want to touch on food safety in pregnancy. Um and so kind of I'd say the main things that I'll say. So so why do we care about food safety? We want to avoid food poisoning infections that can um, affect pregnant women and their fetuses more negatively than someone who is not pregnant. Um, so what we're really, tr- the two main infections that we are really trying to avoid is um, E. coli and listeria. Those two can can really devastatingly cause um um, miscarriages, preterm labor, um, really bad uterine infections. Okay, so make sure your meat and your fish are cooked well. Make sure your dairy is pasteurized. Make sure, like, you know, your f- produce is washed. I mean, we hear about those outbreaks all the time. Um, you know, I think Jews are generally a little m- more conscious of washing other fruits and vegetables just for kosher and bug reasons, but, um, you know, Wash them and be aware of those of those, you know, kind of news announcements, if there is like an outbreak of of those types of um, infections, um, you know, there's salmonella also that usually won't cause miscarriage, but it'll get you really sick. Right. So you're still going to go through all the GI distress, the diarrhea, the throwing up, the the horrible stomach pains, and, and your baby will probably be fine from that. But you being pregnant also will feel that much worse. Um, Also really important to like replace your fluids if you have that. So we can, you know, there's that whole food poisoning issue, but that's why we have these recommendations for food safety in pregnancy
0: is to avoid food poisoning. Right. Yeah. What about alcohol in pregnancy? Have they changed the
1: recommendations for that? Yeah, they, I th- I'd say they probably made it a little stricter, um, really kind of emphasizing that we, so there's, why don't we like alcohol in pregnancy? Because there is fetal alcohol syndrome, which is when a fetus is exposed to alcohol that can have an effect on development. There can be some facial uh, birth defects um, and just general like cognitive functioning of this child um the problem is is we don't know how much alcohol is needed to have those effects we just don't know that so they've kind of gotten a little bit more stricter and said none absolutely none you know um is what one glass of wine probably fine will that probably cause fetal alcohol syndrome probably not But I think because we can't give a specific number and we can't do that study, that's an unethical study to say, let's give pregnant women varying amounts of alcohol and see how their babies turn out right so that it's a very hard answer to get. So across the board, we just say, none.
0: Mm, Good explanation. Yeah. I'm realizing that we're not going to even be able to to do all the things I wanted to do. We're going to have to stop earlier in the pregnancy, but we're not, I don't want to stop yet. Since you mentioned alcohol, yeah. we have to talk about two things. One is medication in pregnancy, and one is mm-hmm. the guilt that people often feel, yeah. including about things that they've taken before they knew they were pregnant or that they had to take while pregnant. That's a lot. Right.
1: And you know what? When we say medication, I mean that, that, is extremely, you know, vague, right? Like there's a million medications out there and some you need to have a healthy pregnancy if, if you need it to, you know, like like thyroid medication, for example, that's very common. It's really important to have a normal thyroid levels. And if you need medication for that, stay on it. Mental health, again, is is another, um, another thing that is often medicated. And if you find something that works well for you, you know, talk about it with your doctors and your team. Um, and, and also to realize that whatever medication you're taking, I think that it's always a risk-benefit discussion. Um, and many conditions have multiple different medication choices that you can be on. So it's worth it to talk to your doctor like, hey, I'm thinking of trying to get pregnant. Is this the best medication for me to be on knowing that I could um, be pregnant in the near future. Is there a different class that may treat my condition but still have the the, you know, be a safer, a better safety profile for pregnancy? Um, so it's it's hard to talk about medicine as a whole when we aren't t- specifying the type of medication or the condition that we're treating. Um, you know, something like treating acne. Is that life threatening? No. But do I want you on Accutane when you're trying to get pregnant? No, I don't, right? Um, so like even though this is the best choice for you, maybe acne is not something that is imp- as important to treat right. during pregnancy as is, you know, diabetes or high blood pressure or, you know, rheumatologic conditions, that kind of thing, right? So that's, it really depends on what you're on, but not all medication is bad. Okay, there there are, you know, we, st- we study this stuff. Um, so it's, it's medication specific, and that's why you do have to ask those questions to your doctor. Um,
0: what you else mentioned you, you mentioned before i'll yeah. oh, we'll get to it in a minute Well, you mentioned before about the um semaglutides like Wegovy and ozempic people are taking that for type 2 diabetes they
1: right. can't
0: take that while pregnant do they have to switch i know this is very yeah. specific
1: yeah, that, that's that's not a medication. I, I mean, there are other diabetic medications and if this works for you, great. You may make a decision. I'm delaying my pregnancy plans because I have this goal of managing my diabetes with this medication and this is working best for me. But that means you need to make a decision. And I think we, you know, we can't, we also have to have the concept of, this is very like esoterical, but we can't really have the, I, I want everything I want when I want it right. now. And you're, you as the, you know, you're going to treat me and we're going to find everything, everything's going to be, Perfect for what I want. No, you have to sometimes make decisions. So if this medication works well for your diabetes, great. Stay on it as long as you want and then try to conceive, like once you're off of it. Or if you're like, no, I really want to try to get pregnant now, this medication is not for you. You need to find a safer diabetic medication that will treat it. So it's literally a, a, a decision you have to make, and that's fine. You know, um, there are other choices outside of these. This may work great for you, but no, right, it's you, it's not
0: okay. For it. Right, but you'd you know. have to. Type two diabetes is something you have to continue to treat. It's not like okay, I'm going to put aside my obesity, right. you know, goal right. to lose weight, and I'm going to just stop taking Ozempic because that's why I was taking right. it. But if and we have,
1: for-, for sure, we have metformin, we have insulin, right? We have other things that can treat it. Is it going to be as effective for you? Maybe not, but okay, will especially it? If you also
0: will- wanted to lose weight,
1: <laughs> right? But will it? But but then like. You also want to get pregnant, so like, come on, like, work with me here, like, right. like, make prioritize what you're, what it is, and you know what, you may decide I'm going to delay my pregnancy plans because these other things right now are more important for me, and that's okay. That decision is totally fine. There shouldn't be like the guilt. I think that's what you. That's what we, we're going to
0: talk about the guilt. Yes, we're going um, to talk about the guilt. Yes.
1: Um. So what a great segue. But, but, wait, again, but wait, we're not. I'm not ready yes. for
0: guilt. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm really pushing. I'm sorry. What <laughs> I meant good. by what I meant by medication before I got distracted by my current, I do that dude, don't I? on weight loss, <laughs> and obesity drugs. Um, what I got distracted by is what I meant by medication is a very common scenario is someone who is not on preexisting medications needs medication while pregnant. Even if it's just as simple as a headache, I'm talking about drugs you take that you can take and can't take while pregnant. And again, very vague We're not going to be able to do justice to it. Right. So, so yeah, if,
1: if you, and and I do think it's the responsibility of the prescriber to a reproductive aged woman to say, you can't get pregnant on this. You need to, like, this is not safe for a pregnancy. It will cause, you know, birth defects or, you know, whatever it is what are you doing to prevent pregnancy while you're on this medication so that that's a responsibility i think of the prescriber um but you you need to make these decisions and and if ozempic is what i mean just as the example of whatever if that's a decision you're making you're also making a decision that i'm delaying my
0: pregnancy right plan. right, right. No, right. No, i'm, I'm yeah. talking I'm about in pregnancy when you already are right. pregnant and there are medications that you don't know whether you can take or not that's a common question
1: i mean that needs to be addressed with your doctor. You need mm-hmm. to say like, before you take them, you know, like, hey, is this okay in pregnancy? And and that's, you know, typically with the first visit, you know, we will go over like common cold medications or things that you would take really without asking your doctor, like over the counter stuff, um, you know, and and that's something that that requires a question. You know, it really right. depends on what medication it is, but you got you have you should ask, right? right. Before ask. you start taking something. Right. Yeah. I think that, right.
0: that's a simple answer. Just ask yeah. your, your doctor and don't. Oh, there's a simple that. answer to all these questions you're asking me. Only that one. <laughs> Only that one. Also, because we're almost done. We have okay. to be. We're gonna have to stop earlier. I wanted to talk about okay. testing in pregnancy and we're gonna stop like mid trimester and have to I, I thought we could get to. Closer oh to gosh. delivery. But we Pregnancy can. is a really big deal for like it really all people. Is. Yes, it really, really, really it is. is. It yes. really is. But I want to talk a little bit about the guilt, and then we can stop for now. Yes, we'll revisit our pregnant, confident Kala next Sounds time. <laughs> and I book you the um, fans.
1: <laughs> so I think one kind of main thought that is helpful for people who are thinking of getting pregnant or who are pregnant. Is understanding that pregnancy is a normal, physiologic human state, okay? And again, right? You told me you've seen like you know kids born to moms that maybe are not so healthy, and their kids are okay and fine, and that it ended up okay, right? It it often just happens normally and happens fine, and despite sometimes us not leading the most healthy lives that we could in pregnancy. Um, and I think that that's a thought that you kind of need to have during during your pregnancy and understand that, that things should go as, as, as normal, as usual. And vast majority of the time, the pregnancy goes fine and you have a nice term delivery, right? We can't take that away. Yes, we can talk about every single complication of pregnancy and delivery, But don't forget that that those are, are are less common than normal. Um, And so to take to help people take away guilt of like, am I doing the best thing for my fetus? Am I living, you know, eating the right things and, and avoiding the right things and taking the right vitamins and doing the exercise or not doing exercise or lifting or not lifting and, and all the things that we worry about affect our own bodies and knowing that there's another body within our body that we're trying to put into a healthy environment, um, it, it, you know, have faith that your body can do what it's meant to do. And if you're leading an overall healthy life, your baby is going to be fine. Um, you know, and, and I guess I just don't know what, what else to say about it other than
0: like you, you, it's hard to mess up. It really is. Right. You know, Right. I think, I think that, that worrying, well, what if I took something and it does, this is only not, not productive. I think accepting that we really are not in control. Hashem is in control. I mean, that's just totally. basic,
1: yeah.
0: um, but also if something does happen, if you're hearing about something, the first thing you're going to do, unfortunately, is blame yourself and you shouldn't do that. Right. And, it, you know, this
1: comes up even with the, with the miscarriage discussion that we had, right. like, you know, sometimes bad things happen and it's out of your doctor's control. It's out of your control. And sometimes bad things just happen. Um, but more often than not, not really good things happen, you know, and, and like, don't forget that. Um, and right. There's, there's very little you can do that is, is, has done anything deleterious to your pregnancy. Um, so I, I really would encourage people who are pregnant, newly pregnant or any to any, anywhere in the process of just being amazed at what your body can do. It's, it's incredible. It's fascinating. One of the reasons I went into this, right? Like I'm just in awe and kind of take a step back. And instead of like micromanaging and worrying about every little detail of your day and your diet and your weight gain and, and your numbers and your, you know, in the pregnancy, you know, just, just enjoy the process. You don't have to enjoy the uncomfortable parts, but it, it is truly incredible. And, and understanding that, and that, that the process is set up pretty well. And, 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 you know, most of the time it, it ends up great. So I
0: love that. I love that. I'm going to just say, yeah. take care of your mental health as well. For sure. Part of taking yeah. care of your mental health is not, you know, allowing excess guilt, you know, doing whatever you have to do. It may mean getting help. And that's
1: something I actually, I think is a good conversation during a pregnancy, set up your support system. You may not have any mental health issues, but you may need help when you go back to work or help with nursing, do that stuff when you're not stressed about it. Like find a good lactation consultant. You may not need them or look into your pumps or buy your pads ahead of time or find out from your doctor what's normal. So you don't have to like make frantic calls, Um, you know. Educate yourself and set your support system up ahead of time, and it will help the pregnancy, the postpartum transition. It, it really—I mean—we all
0: need support. You know, none of us can like do everything on our own. Yeah, I, I love that. I mm-hmm. add one more thing, and let you go. Oh, it's almost is, the shop is. <laughs> I will also say, get a good pediatrician. We can really be a big yes. help. I do a yes. lot of this as a pediatrician. I spend a lot of like front-loading the time with new parents because it can make a huge difference if you can bring down the guilt. Yes.
1: a hundred percent. We're a good team, OBs and pediatricians, right? Yes. So, uh,
0: (laughs) I want to thank you so much, and I'm going to book you for part four, which we're now going to start mid trimester. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Um, I'm around. i Thank you so much for doing this again with me. I really appreciate it.
1: Not a problem.
0: Have a good Shabbos.
1: All right. Thanks for having me. You too. Bye -bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to the Joma Preventative Health Podcast. If you've enjoyed this, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share this with your friends. For more information, check out our Instagram at joma underscore org. Check out our website, www.joma.org, that's J-O-W-M-A dot org, or email us at health at joma